Learning from the mistakes of others, today on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You How could they do such a thing? When was the last time you thought that? Maybe it came to mind the moment you heard of a pastor being removed from his position due to sin. Or perhaps right after you hear that somebody at work was fired for improper behavior. But a much better response would be in humility to learn from their mistakes so we don't repeat them. Realize we're capable of doing the very same thing. Welcome to Abounding Grace as we get back into 1 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today, we'll set out to learn from the mistakes of the Israelites in Old Testament times. As you'll see, we struggled with some of the very same issues. It says, do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality. That's an easy one. Numbers chapter 25, after committing sexual immorality with the women of Moab, 23,000 people died in one day, and a thousand more not too long after that. And so freedom in the Lord, that's the context here. Freedom in the Lord doesn't give us permission to run rampant into sexual sin and think that there's not going to be some consequence that comes from it. And just we're going to get away because we have the special pass, you know, and things aren't going to happen to us. He says, no, the children of Israel paid for it, and so will you and I. And, and isn't it true that in our day and age there are more opportunities for sexual sin than any other time in all of history? I mean, just, I was, we were talking about this just recently, because really every time I, I see, you know, when they put those, those pictures up about turning your cell phone off and you see that cell phone that looks like an ancient cell phone, that's only like 20 years ago. It's not that long ago. And on that one, you can't surf the net, you, know, you can't check your email, and, you know, the phone, the battery lasts maybe two phone calls. It, it's nothing like you might have in your pocket right now, where you can stay, take stuff with you everywhere. Full, complete access to the internet and all of the junk on the internet if you're not careful, if you aren't paying attention, if you're not saying no. You're just walking down in the aisle of King Supers, and, I mean, all you wanted was, a, you know, a gallon of milk and a and a thing of bread, man. That's all you were going in for. And as you're walking, something catches you. You're like, whoa, what did they cover that thing up? Oh, censorship, censorship. We should have naked pictures right when you go out in King Supers. That's true freedom. The Bible says that's not freedom. That's bondage. It'll trip you up. You don't even want it. The, the thing is right there. And you're like, you got to, no. You got to say no because they're, it's, it's coming at you. It's coming at you. If it's not a naked woman, it's a naked man. It's all kinds of junk just coming and coming and coming and coming. And, and if you don't think that the devil and the world doesn't have your number, you are self-deceived to disqualify you, to disqualify me, to put a black eye on the name of Jesus Christ. It is a constant temptation. And Paul says, hey, is your, hey, Corinthians. And remember, the church in Corinth, they are in 
sexual immorality central. There was a temple with an eye shot where every evening the temple priestesses would come down into the city. They weren't really priestesses, they were prostitutes. And they would come down into the city to lure men to have this false idolatrous worship through sexual immorality. And Paul says, come on, guys. Don't use your sexual, don't use your freedom that way. Don't use that sexual drive that God created in you that way. Stay away from it. Be careful. People die over it. Now, if we were to say that a few years ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago, we'd go, oh, come on, nobody dies from sexual sin. Really? Marriages die from sexual sin. Friendships die. Purity dies. And now, literally, they, they can't keep up with the sexually transmitted diseases and mutations of cells and all that kind of stuff that's created by the rampant immorality in our society. And I believe the call here, even thousands of years later, the, the Lord is speaking to us about sexual purity. Don't do it. We haven't really turned much. Would you turn over to 1 Peter so you can reference this with 1 Corinthians? I love that about Paul. He's got these various topics he's dealing with with the church, but then he inserts, hey, it's time to teach, it's time to warn. And any good teacher is going to look for that opportunity to bring in the truth to a situation, to speak the truth. Even though we might be on a different topic, even though we might be moving in that direction, you're looking for that open door to bring the truth into someone's life. Notice 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, would you? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. And we've mentioned this before, but you know how often you'll, you, I wonder what the will of God is for my life. I wonder what the will of God is for my life. Notice what verse 15 says. For this is, is there anyone here? This is the will of God. Here you go. You want to know what the will of God is? Here you go. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, same context as Paul here, in, in your freedom, not using your liberty as a cloak for vice or for evil, but being a bondservant of God. Remember, in all your decisions are made as a servant unto the Lord. I can't say an encouraging thing about sexual sin, and that is you can recover if you repent. You can recover from it. God can restore to you years that have been lost. God can restore to you trust that's been lost. You can recover from it. God can do a work. You might be on the other side of it right now, and you're like, amen, Ed, amen, I wish I wouldn't have, or I wish it didn't happen. Okay, okay. The key and the way out is repentance. Having a change of mind. Literally, that's what repentance means. Having a change of mind about that particular action and having a godly sorrow going, you know what? If I had that chance to do it all over again, I, I won't know, Lord. I'm going to trust in you. And so staying away from sexual immorality. Notice the next one now back in 1 Corinthians. It says, don't commit sexual immorality as some of them did, verse 8, as in one day 23,000 fell. Nor, here's the next one, number 4, nor let us tempt Christ or test Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by Serpents. The children of Israel were constantly asking to go back to Egypt. They were constantly wondering, what are we doing? Oh, how good it was, how wonderful it was, but they were wrong. And that's the essence of simple behavior. Looking back 
and thinking that life of bondage was somehow better than the freedom that you have in the Lord. Looking back and perhaps right now walking with Jesus is very hard on you. It's very difficult to steady on in this direction. It's hard for you because your whole life has been changed. Some of you got saved later in life and you had all these years of habits built up. You got so used to the pleasure of sin. And and although sin is only pleasurable for a season, it seemed like in that season, it it was huge. It was long. It lasted forever. But what you didn't understand is that it wasn't true. It wasn't it wasn't this long season. It was slowly eating you up from the inside. It doesn't even, you know, let's just step away since the last one was sexual sin. Let's just step away from that for a second and just think of the sin of bitterness. Like nobody really knows how bitter you are except you. And then occasionally we might hear you say something and go, you know, just scratch your head. Man, that sounds, they sound a little bitter. Are you bitter? I'm not bitter. Oh, all right, all right. I'm just, just asking, man, because it just doesn't, you know, your countenance looks all messed up and, you know, you're, you're prematurely aging because all the wrinkles are your face and, and you're not smiling anymore and you don't seem to have the joy of the Lord anymore and, and bitterness. And, and some people can hide it better than others. But what do you think? Is bitterness eating up the person you're mad at? I mean, are they, are they up all night? Are they the ones getting the ulcer? Are they the ones isolating themselves? Are they the ones pushing people? No, no, no. Bitterness is messing you up, isn't it? Because all that stuff's happening to you. And you've lost the joy of your salvation. And and you've lost the joy of walking with the Lord. And you've lost the joy of just being that simple life with him. Bitterness, that sin of bitterness, messes you up from the inside out. Physically and spiritually. But you know the moment you release it, It's like a root of bitterness, the Bible says. The Bible says, be careful in Hebrews that you don't let a root of bitterness grow up. And you know what you do with roots of bitterness? You cut them off. You just accept what God's doing right now and what he's allowed in your life and you trust him that he's going to make a way out for you. He's going to bring joy back to you. And bitterness, I mean, we can go through all sorts of sin that maybe we don't even know about, but on the inside, they're tearing you up. You know, you have perhaps what you might call a secret sin because really nobody knows about it. But it's killing you, keeping it secret. You got to make up this story over here and you're not sure about over here and you're always looking over your back whether somebody sees this, what's going to happen. I mean, who do you think that's hurting? You? Yeah. It's killing you. But see, there's that deception, that self, oh, I'm getting away with it, Ed. I'm getting away with it. You don't even know, Ed. I don't need to know. Because God knows. And at just the wrong time, it's revealed. Now, for those of us that love you, it's just the right time. But for you, it's just the wrong time. It gets exposed. It gets shouted from the rooftops. If you would have just dealt with it when it was small, it would have been no big deal. We would have worked with you. And that, but now your whole reputation's lost. You lost this over here. You got, and now God's bringing you back to square one to humble you through your own decisions. He says, don't tempt. Don't tempt Jesus. They were testing him, just wanting, hey, I'm delivering you. Here we go. You're free. Remember when you're in Egypt, you're crying out, deliver us. I sent you a deliverer. And I want you to notice their sin, their sin was against Christ the faithfulness of the Messiah, the Savior. 
Jesus said, remember in Matthew chapter 4, he says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't mess around with it. The Bible says to be sure. I remember the first time I read this, it just put shudders into my life. It says, you be sure that your sin will find you out. You just got that picture of sin constantly dogging you and chasing you, finally just catching up. Well, notice the next one. It's not so expected in this list. I mean, if you look at the list so far, don't lust, don't become an idolater, sexual immorality, don't you mess around with Jesus, you know, don't tempt him with your bad attitude, and then don't murmur, verse 10. What? Yeah, don't murmur. Or you can write next to murmur, if murmur isn't familiar to you, just write next to complainer. Don't complain, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer. And this was the constant theme in the wilderness, wasn't it? Wandering and complaining. Wandering and complaining. It was a cycle in their life. Their complaining led to more wandering. It never really led to anything productive. It never really got them where they wanted to go, but they got it out. Sometimes, you know what complaining is? You know how we, we, we mask complaining? Because we don't use that word, complaining. We don't, you know, can, I, can you have five seconds? you have five minutes? I just want to vomit all of my complaints on you. I mean, really, have you ever said that? I doubt it. You know, you just have a few minutes. Can I write you a three-page email? Because I just really want to complain and get all, I just, you know, you know what we say instead? Yeah, I just want to vent on someone. Thank you. Because the Bible doesn't even say to vent unto the Lord. What does the Bible say? Casting all of your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. But when you do something so many times, it becomes a habit. And I just found it interesting as I was studying that, boy, there's some heavy stuff there. You know, I'm, I'm looking at idolatry. I'm like, oh, Lord, I love you supremely. I, you know, guard me from that. I, I look at lust and, and not being satisfied. And yeah, that, that kind of trips me up from time to time. I can understand where I might want something so much and I'm discontent. I can see that. And, and I look at some of these other sins that, that pop up, but complaining, it's just as common. I bet you it's probably the most common sin among us right now as I'm teaching we seem to be complainers about everything. How fast somebody's driving in front of us. The temperature of our hamburger. <laughs> it's like, you know, this should be 122 degrees and it's 121 and a half. You know, what were you thinking? Didn't wrap it right. The cheese is a little bit off. And I was like, oh, why, why, they, why did they get the promotion? I can't believe it. They're lazy, no good for nothing. My boss doesn't under... I mean, complain, complain, complain. And that stuff, if we're not careful, it just it will just rush into this church. It just rush through the doors. We just come in with all sorts of complaints and we miss the work of the Lord. And what complaining does, it does the same thing to us as it did to the children of Israel. You complain, just expect to start wandering for a while until you get it. You start complaining, you're going to wander some more. And by far, I think this is the most popular thing. I mean, the children of Israel, what? Here's what they're complaining about. They had, they had a shade by the cloud every day, 40 years. At night, they were led and warmed by a fiery pillar. Miracle. The clothes that they had, they lasted. The sandals didn't wear out. 
They were faithfully fed. They had faithful... I mean, they're in the middle. We were in the Judean desert not too long ago when we took our team. It is hot and ugly and barren out there. Rocks everywhere. Big rocks, little rocks, everywhere. It's just... And it is hot. And we weren't even there on the hottest days. And yet God covered them, quenched their thirst. Not just the three of us out there, or, or like on our trip to Israel, there was a hundred of us. He didn't just take care of a hundred. He took care of millions, faithfully. Gave them leadership that, although he struggled, Moses did, he's a faithful man. He served his heart out for the people. And the reward, just complaint after complaint after complaint, was issued against the faithful provision of God. Nothing that God did was good enough for the children of Israel. One of the most popular sinful behaviors among believers is this murmuring and complaining. How do I know that? Well, I know that because the Bible tells us so many other times to not complain. And when the Bible gives us an instruction like that, we need to heed it. Murmuring and complaining, so common among us. How do I know that? Because I complain. That's why. Of all the faithfulness that God has shown me in the 19 years that I've lived for him and in the 23 years that I was rebellious against him, all the faithfulness, the mercy that he showed me, how many times he rescued me, how many times that the behavior that I was engaged in should have killed me or could have killed the people I loved that were close to me, all of that, I can still wake up or I can still go home tonight and complain about something. And that just tells me that my eyes aren't on the Lord. That's all. It tells me that I'm just not seeing things the way that he sees things. Would you turn over to Philippians for a moment? I want you to see this. You might want to mark it and cross-reference it. Look at Philippians with me, chapter 2. Now, it's not one of those statements that I'm going to get a hearty amen, but I'm, I'm sure that you could agree that complaining is pretty common. And then if your guard is down and you've had a bad week, at the end of the week, you're going to complain about the most dumbest things in the world. And you're actually, that complaining spirit is actually going to push people away. And, and you're, you're going to complain to someone that was just doing so good. They were just loving the Lord. They're full, so full of joy. And after your complaint, they're all messed up now. You know, they're just like, oh, we're going to get together with the brothers. We're going to have some fellowship on Friday night. We're just going to come and let's seek the Lord together. And then a complainer comes in and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, I don't like that either. And instead of fellowship toward the Lord, there's this attitude against the Lord. And well, notice verse 14 of chapter 2. It speaks to me. It speaks to you. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, or in some versions it might say arguing. Why? That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. And so I just want to pause here for the sake of those of us that are here and maybe some that are listening in on the internet or on the radio. I just want to pray about our complaining spirits. And if you want to join me, great. 
If you want to complain that I'm praying in the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I just, I pray over this area because we look at some of these other things and we can stand sort of proud uh, in, you know, in ourselves that, oh, well, I'm not idolatrous or lustful or whatever, but truly, Lord, without you, we would fall into every trap that we're warned against right here, especially in this area of complaining. I just pray you'd bring Philippians chapter 2 directly into our hearts and Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit not to do things murmuring or complaining. God, how easy it is that we might even do what we're asked to do, but while we're doing it, we're complaining about it instead of just being joyful in you. And so I pray you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and knowing in this section of Scripture, Lord, we truly need your strength, especially in this crooked and perverse generation, God, that we are lights and salt and we want to infect this world with your love and your mercy. And complaining just seems to push it back. And I just pray you deliver us, Lord. And even maybe this morning or this afternoon or right before we came or right when we walked in, there's that sense of complaining, Lord. And I pray you'd forgive us and cleanse us and help us to overcome in all these areas, Lord, but especially in that area of murmuring and complaining. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in 1 Corinthians now, notice chapter 11. 10 verse 11 he looked at all these things he's hey don't disqualify yourself run your race with joy expect to finish moreover we're reading these things in the old testament the the audience would know just like we we've studied the word we understand the wilderness wandering verse 11 now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition or our instruction or our warning they were written for us even though Moses didn't understand when he was writing it down, he was writing it down for us, God knew. He inspired the scriptures for us right now, in this time, in this age, in this moment. These things were written for us. Doesn't that blow your mind? That when you open the scriptures, like it was written for you. Like that, you open it and go, man, this is for me, Lord. This is awesome. These were written for us. On whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore... Because you could be, you can go through this list, even complaining. Maybe you just kind of look at yourself and you're going, oh, I'm not complaining, I'm not a luster, I don't want to talk. Okay, great. You could just by re- thinking real good, you're, like, you're looking at me and go, Ed, you're messed up, but I'm doing all right, man. I'm all right. I passed the test. Okay. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. It covers all of us. We don't want to even think we stand. We just want to trust in the Lord because he's able to make us stand. He's able to keep us from stumbling. He's able to pick us up when we do fall. And you know, each time we study an Old Testament book of the Bible, almost every time in the introduction, I bring you to this passage. Because there'll be people, oh, what are we studying the Old Testament for? We're a New Testament church. Why would we go back? Well, listen, the things that were written in the Old Testament were written for you and for me. They're warnings and examples. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in 1 Corinthians as Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through this epistle. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, go online to calvaryco.church. Another way to take in a steady dose of God's Word is through our apps. Not only do we offer a church app, but the Grace FM Colorado app as well. Download those today for free by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. 
Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. And we'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of the book, Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. For quite some time, Pastor Ray Bentley has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. This book will introduce you to prophetic signs that God reveals in sometimes unexpected ways. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. That's 877-30-GRACE. And for those of you that are in the area or will be visiting soon, we hope you'll stop by for a worship service. Here at Calvary Church, Colorado in Aurora, there are three services on the weekend. The first is Saturday at 6 p.m. And then there are two on Sunday mornings at 845 and 1045. You can join us on Wednesday evenings at 7, too. Gather more information online at calvaryco.church. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.